welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. Welcome back on in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, once again, back to the Sports Buffoon Studios out here in Lenexa, Kansas. Guys, we're all back in our, our home state, our home natural area where we like to be at now at this point. Correct. Uh, we're, we're not doing any buffoonery over at Mr. Brews this week, and we're not doing any buffoonery with Tanner out of town. We are but back in the main place. When are we doing buffoonery at Mr. Brews? Uh, we'll be doing that in two weeks for the draft. We'll be there on draft day throughout the entire first round, and we'll be live the entire time. So that is a live draft for that. Guys. Shout out to uh, the brand new subscriber from five minutes ago, Kenny97. Um, so, yeah. yeah, thanks for, for tuning in here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Mr. Brews in a couple weeks. It's going to be a wonderful time because, guys, we're going to be live for like four hours straight. And it's not going to be just us talking. It's going to be we're going to have other fans of other teams coming we're, on. We're going to have other guys from our Let's Talk Sports Network happening. Uh, we're going to have probably fans at the bar happening. So it's just I think it's going to be an overall fabulous environment, fabulous time, and a fabulous show. I just want to see like Jets fans get on and be really emotional and cry and be pissed off because that's every year that's like a yearly thing to see and watch unfold. Real quick on the Jets side. Because we ha- our main guy that we talk with, Let's Talk Sports, is a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Do they select a wide receiver in the first round? Uh, do they? Do they? I mean, God, I think they uh, go probably, and it's, it's, then maybe uh, a defensive guy that uh, early in the draft. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they should probably, but it depends on who's there. Like okay. like any draft class. I mean, yeah. I could see the, I could see Drake London going there for some reason, but. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know what to say about the Jets because that is a random mixed bag of a team. So it really is. You never, you never know what's going to happen. It's kind of a dumpster that. fire like yeah. the L.A. Lakers. Not that we Big were time. talking NBA but on the I show or anything like that. I think they're on the right track this time. It's weird, but I think they're on the right track. But we'll see. We'll see what the Jets happen. We'll, we'll get Dan on the show, too, after the draft mm-hmm. uh, at some point, And, uh, you know, we'll chat with him and see what, what he says about the Jets but, draft. guys. JG here to my right, Tanner to my left here. We're not talking NFL too much today, guys. Nope. So that means it's weird. Hold on to your horses. Don't leave yet. I know we're a football show, but no, we have a lot of NBA to discuss tonight Lots. in regards to the MVP discussion, odds. Jason probably has an easy money bet, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, somewhere up your sleeves. Um, and then we're going to talk Royals at the end of the show. But first and foremost, you guys, uh, we got we to talk about the NBA, the playoffs. Have now officially begun, I think, because the play-ins are underway. This is your spot because you love this. You love it when the playoffs start because this is what well, you look forward to in the because NBA. I don't care about what happens in the NBA until playoffs begin because half the goddamn teams make it anyway. The other half is a waste of time. So for me, it's like you you play from freaking October up until you know April. And it's all just a big waste. Like we already know who the top teams are. That's who's going to bring it by January. And the right from at least January. And so for me, it's just like, gosh, I don't want to waste time watching all these stupid games from October, November, December that are a waste of time to me. Just like in baseball, kind of the same way. I think it's too long of a season. Yeah. But with all that said, um, yeah, I'm excited because I obviously those of you out there that follow along, you know, I'm a Suns fan. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, seeing how those guys perform here in the playoffs. But they're not our main topic right now at the moment. Um, I think we want to kick it off with some MVP discussion, and then we'll roll into 
some of the debates about the playing series. Yeah, so let's dig in here. Jason, if I was going to tell you a guy finished six in points per game, second in rebounds per game, eighth in assists per game, and an overall player efficiency of 32.94, which was the best in the league. Obviously, the player efficiency is a lot of different stats, and I didn't take college algebra, so... I couldn't tell you the full formula of it all, but it has to do with stats, rebounds, points, and more than that. The best overall, and he had the most double-doubles of the league. Is that your MVP walking in? Who you got? Because I, I don't really care who you're talking about unless he's in the top three in the odds. So I, I don't care who you think should win. I want to know the players and, who are going to win. Okay, hey, And this guy's team is not a one through three seed. So who you got? That's that's Jokic right there. That's Jokic stats. As an MVP, this guy has finished top ten not only through the three main three main stats of the league, but his player efficiency is also the best in the league. Is he worthy? That's what I want to know from you. He is the favorite right now, and so obviously I think he's worthy of getting the award. He's minus three eighty, and the second best in the odds is Joel Embiid. So Jokic is 27, 14, and 8, one and a half steals and one block. And he also has a, a number six seed in front of his name. Correct. Now, normally I wouldn't try to dock his score for being the number six seed, but the, he is in the Western Conference. And although we have been, we've become accustomed to the Western Conference as being the elite conference over the past decade or so it's kind of switching now to the point where the east is the elite conference really and so i i don't give Jokic too much credit there so, because and the reason there's hear okay, me out okay, here okay, i'll hear you before i say so that. the number two seed right now is the memphis grizzlies and i'm not going to tell you, you guys know me i'm not going to take anything away from that team but you know you got the grizzlies you got the the breaking down Golden State Warriors who are healthy and then sometimes they're not. But, you know, at this point, I think the Eastern Conference, is, it's kind of a pendulum. You know, back when we had Michael Jordan, okay. that was the elite conference. And then when Michael Jordan retired, there, were, there was like well over a decade where the Western Conference was the elite conference. And now I think it's, you're kind of seeing the pendulum shift back to the east and i just think when you're the number six seed uh talking about Nikola jokic and i understand that he he didn't have jamal murray he didn't have michael porter jr that's fine but Giannis scored a lot more points per game joel Embiid has a lot more points per game devin booker who is in the same conference and also the number one seed also averages 27 points per game and so I don't give Nikola Jokic a lot of credit here. Um, a lot of people will point out the fact that when you you take take into account the fact that there's going to be a lot of writers out there that will hold him accountable for the fact that he basically ran up behind Markeith Morris and knocked him out in the middle of a game. And yeah. we all, I'm not saying it's fair to dock him for that, but we all know how the writers are, especially, you know, 
a white man hitting a black man in the back of the head. Not a good look, okay? And I know we're trying to keep it all about the game, but do, do you th- do you really think that the writers are going to forget about that and just say, oh, yeah, oh, he's so amazing. Oh, Nikola Jokic. Meanwhile, Giannis Antetokounmpo, much better defender, okay? Uh, you... Let's, let's talk about Joel Embiid. Okay, Joel Embiid. When I when I when I put him up against Nikola Jokic, yeah, they're they're both good defenders, but they're not like Giannis. So I think defense matters in the NBA, especially when you're giving out an MVP award. And when I say defense, I am not talking about busting up a guy in the back of the head. No, when we when we talk, we talked about NFL MVP right a few months ago. We talked about this, right? If you were to take that guy off the team, do they stand a chance? Most of the answer is no. Right, of, cor- of course not. In this case for Nikola Jokovic, no, nah, I don't think so. So if you put Giannis, you put <clears throat> Joel onto this <laughs> Nuggets team, you're telling me they're... I, I'm getting... Okay, hold on right quick. <laughs> That's bullshit, Mike. Before I send it over to you... before it's I true, send it, though! No. To be fair, before I send it over to you, Mike, let's just take Giannis off the Bucks, Embiid off of the Sixers, Booker off of the Suns. Uh, I'm sorry. None of those fucking teams have a chance to do shit. Go ahead, Mike. No, I agree with that completely, actually. I mean, so what, what, what are we so saying what, here? What he's saying is all five of these guys that are in the discussion, uh, you take any one of those certain guys off that team, and that team is not going to do And shit. you're down to the... Down right. to the dumps. But that's kind of what MVP is all about. It's most valuable player because these teams would be nothing without him. You know, back when LeBron James with the Cavaliers won MVP two times in a row, it was a situation where if he didn't exist, that team was going to be under 500 easily. Um, and that should, you know, be that, that makes sense when, it, when yeah. you look at the whole scheme of things because the way we look at MVPs is, you know, like Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, who has a lack of receivers outside of Devontae Adams, obviously, the past couple of years. He makes those guys, other other guys around that team, better. And with if you take Aaron Rodgers from that team and just replace him with, let's say a, uh, a, a Lamar Jackson, not even Lamar, give, give him a, give him a Derek Carr. Oh, okay. Then that Packers team is not going to go to the NFC Championship game, either of the past two years. I promise you that. So it's about what that position, what that player can do to propel you to becoming a spectacular team, just based on his individual play. Okay, and then real quick here, I, I, normally Jason's the stat guy. I'm going to go down the stats real quick between our three guys here, right? So Jokic is 27.1 points per game. He's sixth in the NBA there. 13.8 uh, rebounds per game. He's second in the NBA there. 7.9 assists per game. He's eighth, which is uncalled, like unheard of half the time here on this one. He has a 32.9 for a player efficiency, which is best in the NBA. With 65 double doubles. Giannis at 29.9 points per game. He's second. 11.6 rebounds per game. He's sixth. 5.8 assists per game. He's 18th. And he's a 32.12 PER, which is uh, second in this one. And then Joel Embiid, former Jayhawk, Rod Chalk. The guy is 30.6 points per game. He's first overall in points. He won the scoring title. 11.7 rebounds per game. He's fifth. 4.2 assists per game. That's 46 in the league. 31.24 PER. That's third in the league. 
and the guy had 38 double-doubles. And, and Joel Embiid had to go through. If you want to count off-the-field issues, this guy had to go through and endure not just a Ben Simmons drama that happened off, and now you have to endure a James Harden drama that's going to happen in the 76ers. So one other thing I will throw out there to you about Jokic being the sixth seed in the West. He is behind those other guys in scoring. Okay. Okay? So when you look at a guy like Giannis, he's got Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday on his team. Joel Embiid has James Harden. Those guys don't necessarily need to score 30 points a game. No. Meanwhile, Nikola Jokic... He doesn't have anybody on his team. Nobody. He should be scoring. If you want to be the MVP and you're Nikola Jokic, you should be scoring more than Giannis, more than Joel Embiid. And so he's behind both of those guys in scoring, and he only brought them to the number six seed. And he's, so I'm not buying him no, 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 as no. the MVP. No, look, the reason he bought them to the six seed is because of his CISPR game. You don't see anybody else, no other big man, having to take the point like that and having to dish out to a 2 through 12 that's probably a bunch of bench players on other teams. You can't do that. Like, Jokic literally saved his team from being in the play-in tournament, let alone sitting outside like LeBron is this year, being alone. So, so like... Are you voting for Jokic? I am voting for Jokic. Okay. He, so we got a Jokic vote. I want to give you. you I want to give you guys a different perspective. He did more before with we less. just answer the so question excited. here because I'm not going to answer this question based off what I actually believe in here. I'm going to answer this question based off what the NBA does historically. The NBA goes in pairs of two in the MVP, and they do this. And I'm going to go down a rundown of a long ass list of names historically here. Back to back, Giannis. Back to back, Steph Curry. Back to back, LeBron James twice. Back-to-back. Back-to-back, Steve Nash. Back-to-back, Tim Duncan. Back-to-back, we'll go back to Michael Jordan. Um, You know, Moses Malone. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, back-to-back, multiple times. Uh, Wilt had three in a row. Yeah. But I don't see a whole lot of disparity here when I look at this list historically of MVPs in the NBA. I see it just, you see back-to-back names constantly where I don't, I rarely see a thing where you go three different guys in three different years, which is what we're currently asking right now within this debate. I'm looking at this situation with Jokic. It makes the most sense for the NBA once again to follow in that pattern as we talk about when it relates to gambling, Jason, all the time. NBA is going to continue that streak of pairs when it comes to the MVP discussions. So the last time that there was like three different guys in a row, that did happen with when it went LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, but then it went back to the back-to-back. So as you call them, the terrible twos uh, when it comes to gambling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're working with the NBA's terrible twos strategy uh, is, is what's going on. So, so I'm going with Jokic to win MVP, but it's not necessarily my favorite yeah, guy. It's correct. not the right decision. So, You're just saying who's going to win. So right. also, I believe yes. since 2010, I think there's – one winner that has been an MVP that has less than 50 wins. Jokic is at 48. Right. So you're looking at that issue as well. Since Which I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the idea of giving the MVP to a six seed. No, um, no, that, you that, don't. That's not but, appealing at all to me. 
but does that six seed even exist without this guy? We talk about this all the time. I don't like. It we talk exist. about through the MVP. But I mean, we look back to the NFL again. If you want to look at certain teams in the NFL, like okay, the six seed in the NFL, that team wouldn't make it if their quarterback wasn't. You know, the Bengals. No, the Bengals no, would but not who have made more efficient? It as far as you have a guy that's Joe top Burrow. ten. Burrow didn't win top MVP. ten in almost every category that's major in the NBA. And you're not going to give him the MVP. But so. to Jason's point, everything's funneled toward. Getting winning. Jokic the ball? No, we're not winning. Winning, well, yeah, sure, okay, winning. But everything's funneled toward Jokic, and seven point so nine he's your one assists guy, per game. When he's eight. the only weapon when he's the, on your team, you can't yes. be you less him, points per game than no. Embiid and Giannis. You Here's will put up numbers. You, give him, no you can't what. be busting somebody you in the him. back of the neck and getting suspended. No, they will hold him accountable Nobody cares for that. About I'm that. telling Nobody you right cares now. About anymore. They do. Look, you give you give Murray, you give Porter back. This guy's up to almost eight assists and nine point nine assists per game. The way he does this ball. I'm telling you guys, okay. if you look at those odds right now, minus three eighty for Jokic, those are horrible odds. I'm taking Giannis all the way to the bank. It's plus eight hundred. I I see it as a two dog race right now. I know it's technically a three dog race, but I think the voters are going to go for either Giannis or Joel Embiid. Because they're both averaging thirty a game, one steal, Points one and a half blocks. Man. Points in everything. So, do you know what the difference is between those two guys? What is it? Giannis beat his ass two to one in the regular season, and the difference is Giannis can actually guard him. The Milwaukee Joel Embiid cannot guard Giannis no. Antetokounmpo. No, Giannis Antetokounmpo can stop Joel Embiid, Jokic. He can shut all of those guys down. Meanwhile, putting up elite numbers. So my personal MVP right now is Giannis. And if it's not him or Joel Embiid, I'm going to be pissed because Jokic does not deserve this award two years in a row. Best in league. Best in league. That's all I'm going to say. I'm more number six to... seed, number six seed in the I West. I don't care what a seed you know, is. Behind Luka. Behind Luka Doncic, Give him who is number five for MVP. Missing two of his players. Two right now, current roster that's not injured. Two out of the twelve, like everybody else, they're bench players. It doesn't matter. They're bench players. You take the Dallas Mavericks. Just take the Dallas Mavericks versus Denver. The Dallas Mavericks got the four seed. Okay. Yeah. Why is Luka Doncic lower in the MVP rankings? He has more weapons. Not much. He has more weapons. Name a single. I can't name a single person on the freaking Denver Nuggets. I, I think the writers. I think Outside the writers. Outside of Porter, let me I'm tell out. you right now, the writers are going to make the right decision this year. They are not going to make Jokic two-time MVP. It's not going to happen. Jokic MVP. Well, I'm more concerned about the Finals MVP, which the current odds favor <laughs> Devin Booker to win the Finals MVP. How did I know um, Suns was going to come into this? Oh, play? that's all I'm going to talk about, baby. <laughs> I care about winning teams and winning players and driven players. And oh, so Devin man. Booker in the Suns, that's that's why that's my team and has been for the last two and a half years. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, they, right now the current odds for the Finals MVP, it goes Devin Booker, goes Giannis, number two, and then Chris Paul is third on that list. As a Finals MVP candidate, Chris so, Paul, CP3, he's, he's CP. So in, this this is as of current, like this is as what we know currently. There's two Suns on the Finals MVP list in the top three. So that's amazing. Think about that. Um, I guess if you want to be a betting man, I mean, you could go against all the odds and 
think that I was lying when I said the sounds of the 2015 Royals. All right, there's plenty of time, guys. Please let us know in the comments what you think, who you think is the MVP. Because I'm kind of curious to see exactly how that all plays out there. So, NBA MVP between Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. Okay. Well, guys, with that said, uh, we talked about the most valuable player. How about somebody who just shit the bed? Uh, let's talk about maybe somebody who's the least valuable of this season. Someone who maybe, Tanner, as you, you spoke with us earlier, you thought about maybe someone who uh, was the biggest underachiever of the NBA the season. The biggest disappointment. Right? Sure. T- tell I, me your I thoughts. think it's a fair thought there. I mean, we got guys like James Harden, who's been in disappointment, where he decided to uh, just quit on the Nets uh, in the middle of when they needed him the most, with uh, Durant being injured, Irving's with his uh, – vaccine but doesn't he do that somewhat frequently at this point? well he did with houston too so reminds me of antonio brown in some ways and i'll never i'll never forgive antonio brown well yeah because you lost with one point he's a big piece of shit so fuck you antonio (laughs) brown by the way he will be he's coming back with tb he's not coming back with he's gonna be on the beware he's gonna be on the box no he's not you remember the show that you remember the show that you don't remember because i was on there and I was gone on vacation. Uh, He's I do remember not that coming show. back. It came back to me. We talked right about no this. team He's is going to waste back. time on his stupid outside ass. outside of AB guys. I, I tell you right now, Tom Brady is going to beg him. To I come don't give back. a damn. And neither will the coaching staff or the GM. Of the Bruce bus. Arians is gone, dude. It doesn't matter. He's gone. He's can bring in the front office. Back. It doesn't matter. Bruce Arians is the front office. It doesn't matter, dude. That's what do you honorary. mean it doesn't office? That's an honorary He's position. Contracts. He's not going to make. Antonio Brown's ass is done. The coach no will. one's wasting time on the it. Coach. All right, all right. Look, I'm not talking about AB like we did that one. <laughs> we got off right? topic. Sorry, I'm guys. I got, I got James a Harden. AB's coming back. James Mark Harden is a disappointment, right? <laughs> we have other guys that are disappointment as well. One being AD. That's a disappointment by itself. The guy was injured most of the year once again. And when he did come back, he was very ineffective for the Lakers. He did not show up when they needed him the most. LeBron's out here scoring half to score 52 points every now and then and have not put up like high scores as a 38-year-old when you don't have anybody else helping you. So AD is my biggest disappointment. Jason, who do you got? I mean, so many guys to talk about here. So Where many. do I start? I mean, you got to start out with Ben Simmons, right? Because uh, apparently he doesn't play basketball anymore. So we don't know if that's because of his injury or if the injury was caused by his lack of competitive nature and be he didn't want to get out. Be, and Be careful because we got to respect the mental health issues going on and stuff that he had at the beginning. And, and I understand that. So. But why is he not on the floor? He's either not on the floor because he's injured or it's because he didn't want to play for the Sixers, and so he just kind of gave up. He should have been doing workouts on his own. Correct. So that's uh, he's not at the top of my list, okay? Because we don't know what's going on with him. Another guy that's not at the top of my list is Russell Westbrook. And that is because it's his very first year on the Lakers. Uh, if you talk about teams where there's a lot of pressure, uh, if you go play for the L.A. Lakers, you'll have more pressure on your life than you can ever imagine. And so it was his first year on that team, oldest roster in the NBA history. Okay, So you had the big three, and you had basically nothing else. Everybody wants to find a scapegoat because nobody ever wants to blame LeBron James. God okay. forbid we blame him. 
So there's got to be a scapegoat. Well, Frank Vogel's out, so they blamed him Which to a certain bad. extent. And now all of a sudden we want to blame Russell Westbrook. He's actually not that old, and he's still pretty athletic. So I'm going to hold off on the Westbrook, okay? So I watched uh, during work today, hopped on my phone for a minute, and there was this highlight film, highlight clip of Russell Westbrook of saying, this is why the head coach got fired. And it was the most atrocious thing I've ever watched for an NBA player in my life of Russell Westbrook highlights. I'm telling oh, you. Like, I knew it was bad. Like I saw games and it was bad. But when you start putting these clips together of him just basically dropping the ball, period, like literally dropping the ball, throwing it in other, like, the other team's hands blatantly, it's, it's almost kind of scary. Like, did this guy do this on purpose? The bottom line is that that is not Westbrook's game. Okay? No, this it's not. This guy averaged Who's a triple-double for four years. Okay, So when you look at the Lakers, don't don't look at Frank Vogel, who just got fired. Absolutely. like He's a world championship yeah. coach. None of that was his fault. Don't look at Russell Westbrook. You need to go from the top down. And that starts with the owner. And then you look at Rob Palenka. And then you look about well, you look with look, the look, other look. general manager. That's 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 fine. You want to talk about like it's the LeBron James and all that. That's fine. It's you want LeBron to talk about. James. It's his it's fault. Not, no, it's not. Why does nobody LeBron put the James blame doesn't on LeBron? catch the ball for Russell Westbrook? LeBron James doesn't allow the guy who to put pass the, the team ball. together. Tanner, it don't matter who, who the team. hell the it does team matter. is. It matter what you do personally. It does matter. And because Russell Westbrook didn't perform. Personally. It does matter who puts the team together so, because when you don't have a general manager. And you don't have an owner who gives a shit. No, no, no. All of a sudden, LeBron James is going to bring a 2010 the Buccaneers and the Lakers. LeBron James, when you don't have an owner and you don't have a general manager, all of a sudden you have a LeBron James as a general manager who is going to bring in the oldest roster in the history of the NBA. No, you're talking. What a great player he is. You're talking about a great player. You're talking about a great general manager. You're talking about Lakers team themselves. Sells, not Russell Westbrook the player. Russell Westbrook the player. Russell Westbrook gets none of the blame. Oh, he has a lot of the freaking none blame. of the blame. I'm a, if I can find this highlight film, none of I the will blame. try to send, right. put upload. So it. back to my list. Okay, so it's my, not pretty. My 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 first place award for <laughs> the bad player of the year, if you will. It's got to be between James Harden and Anthony Davis, and I was teetering between these two guys. I've got to go with James Harden because I, I think with Anthony Davis, yeah, everybody wants to complain about his diet, and yeah, he's not taking care of his body, whatever. Well, the guy's seven feet tall, okay? He's an elite player. You know, he gets injured a lot. He, he doesn't strike me as a guy who can necessarily help that. I mean, between him and James Harden, they can probably both help their bodies a little bit. But I think James Harden is the most underachieving player for me because he was injured last year for the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs, and then he wanted to be traded, and then he was still slightly overweight when he went to the Sixers. And so I just think that James Harden should be still in his prime, right? He's not that he old He shouldn't be player. on a downfall already. But why is he showing up for the Nets training camp earlier this year out of shape? 
Is it because he doesn't want to play? Well, guess what, dude? Now, all of a sudden, you're in the playoffs with Joel Embiid, who is an MVP candidate, as we just stated. And you're, you're not in the best shape of your career by any stretch of the imagination. So the biggest disappointment for me this year is going to be James Harden because the Sixers, I mean, they went all in on James Harden. Like Correct. They traded away assets. They gave away Seth Curry and some picks and Ben Simmons, regardless of what you think of Ben Simmons. And it's, it's just kind of like, okay, well, what do you bring to the table, dude? Besides an underachieving playoff record where you fold, basically, your entire playoff career, you yeah. fold. You're a great regular season player, a la Peyton Manning he back br- in the day. He brought on a but, great hot five streak. Yeah, right so you're going to sell tickets, but we all know, dude, based on your history, you're not going to do shit in the playoffs. Nobody thinks of the Sixers as a contender this year. Nobody in their right mind. Everybody knows it's going to be the Bucks and the Suns. This year, do you think James Harden is going to get in better shape this coming offseason and somehow all of a sudden they're going to be a contender, you know, based on Joel Embiid's in- injury history? So far, we're over so, two, by the way, in the last three no, years. No, I mean, so. for me, it's all about James Harden. I mean, he's he's the biggest disappointment for me. No, yeah. yeah. I like that we're talking about this right now because now we're talking about in the last few sentences here between two former OKC players actually who at one point were together and James Harden to me is one that we could definitely absolutely talk about Russell Westbrook is a guy that we can talk about because I feel like with Westbrook's situation is that we saw a lack of enthusiasm we saw a lack of carrying down the stretch of the season especially Uh, when the going got rough for the Lakers which is something he's not really used to in his career he really bagged it in uh, when it comes to Westbrook. And I, I wouldn't say that. Well, look, at the end of the day, he's been on four teams in four years now. And he went on an MVP run six years ago. And With the Thunder. This, right. This was rough. Like, the triple-double king was not showing up any longer uh, in the same fashion. But my problem was, I honestly, watching the games, and this is coming from, you know, away from the statistics, I just saw a guy who had all this around him that LeBron James put together and being there just to be there. Um, his three-point percentage was awful. Oh, uh, it was awful. It, it was if you're going down stats, it's going to be bad. But I'm saying if you just watch the energy on the field from Westbrook, like this was not your normal Russell no, Westbrook type not. of a season. So I think, yeah, it's, it's undesirable kind of a season he just had. But also, wasn't that entire Lakers team – pretty disappointing in anyways it, it was it I mean, was it's, it's, i mean we weren't we can point it. out one guy we've but talked about it it's all those guys but, all those old guys just but i i just think a lot of people will just try to bring to the table like oh my gosh russell westbrook is declining he's in decline no he's not, not in decline no way the reason why he had one of the worst years of his career is because of the toxic environment that is the la lakers it's kind of like the Philadelphia sports market. If you don't perform, dude, like you're done. You're like you're. We will trash you till no end. And I just think like when when you're an LA Laker, if you don't perform up to expectations, you know you're going to be in for a rough time. I just think we have not seen the end of Russell Westbrook. I you think he's right, going to bounce back next. How year. is this team going to become hungry again? 
And I don't see it happening with the current guys on that roster because, no. to me, you've got to have guys that are young and hungry. That's why I love the Suns team. That's a team full of one old veteran, full of young and hungry guys Correct. that are, are I, driven to be winners. Correct. I will tell you that if they don't bring back the big three next year, then they have to bring at least Russell two Westbrook them, right. and LeBron back. Those are the only two I that think, they can keep. I think if you bring Russell Westbrook back, I mean, when we talk about bad years, like we talked about ba- it was a bad year for Patrick Mahomes. No, that was not a bad year. This is what we call a bad year for Russell Westbrook. My point is the guy's not going to do it again. You, you can't get him off the books. No. But there is a guy that you can get off the books if you want to trade Anthony Davis, which is what I called for in the preseason. I called for that in the preseason, and they wouldn't do it. Now, guess what happened? He got injured hey, this, and didn't do shit all year long. Your Spurs but want him? He, he's, no, I don't want him. <laughs> no, hell no, I don't want him. But he, he still has value is what I'm saying. And so if you're not going to bring the big three back, you must bring back LeBron and Russell Westbrook. But you've got to dismantle that entire roster, yep. which is the oldest roster in NBA history, and bring in – as much youth as you possibly can. You got to bring in shooters, guys that want to play defense, athletic guys. And, you know, we're not going to bring in Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard. We're not going to bring in a 2010 All-Star team in 2023. That's the bottom line Can't if you're trying to revamp that Lakers roster. Yeah, yeah, so my real answer Jason is actually in agreement with you. Uh, James Harden's definitely my least valuable guy because he not only did it to one team, he did it to two teams this year. And what I mean by yeah. that is this guy walks around, you know, wanting to control things, thinking he's hot shit, bitches about <laughs> Kyrie Irving, and then goes to a different team in a different situation who's yeah. on the rise and then fails there too. Make yeah. it make it even better here. Let's just make it even better. This is three teams he's disappointed in two years. Three teams right. in two years. And yeah, I, I will. I will tell you the other reason why he is my biggest disappointment is because I've also learned that he loves to hang out in the clubs, in the nightclubs, okay? So on a personal but very, level... But he's very judgmental towards others. On a yeah. personal level, very. I would love to hang out with this guy. But as a basketball player, um, he, he's got a few things to be desired. And so, you know, yeah, you, you probably should stay out of the clubs next year, James Harden, and work on your your conditioning in the off season. Yeah, I totally agree. So glad we got to, uh, we're, we're here just like thrashing people. Today. Today? I'm here to throw Antonio Brown under the bus. We're just trashing James Harden, Westbrook. You're getting stomped on. We are just nasty mother effers today. <laughs> but with that, that said, happens. we have one more topic where we're not going to bash too many people. Uh, Nets and Celtics series coming right on up. Uh, by the way, the, 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 the play in series, is wrapping up here currently as we speak, as a matter of yeah, fact. So, so that's just about over. Give you the update here. Uh, as ahead. of right now, the Hawks did beat Hornets, uh, and the Spurs are losing to the Pelicans okay. at the end of the first. Got, I, I had the Pelicans winning that one, so we'll see how, I, how I do too. Um, I'm, I'm a believer that eventually Zion can get back on track. And I mean, talk about disappointment right there. Anyways. Hey, anyways. Give him time. He's 21 years old, guys. Give him time. Come on now. All right, Jason, uh, you want to have some comments here about the Nets. Now, we talk about the Nets quite a bit on this show, actually. And I told you a long time ago I'm tired of it because I care about results. This team is 
some of the biggest underachievers I've ever seen in my life. And I, I hate talking about teams who have these high hopes and we waste all our breath on this. They don't ever do anything. And that's the Nets the last two to three years, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Celtics, on the other hand, you know, they probably deserve a fighting chance in this. But the Nets are the team that I think going into this season were one of the favorites to actually go all the way. And once again, they're disappointing all of us. So I want to know what your thoughts are on this Nets for Celtics series. So it's amazing to me that when you look at the preseason odds to win the NBA championship, all the way back then, all those months ago, we were looking at the L.A. Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. And now, all of a sudden, where are we? The L.A. Lakers are trash. We're right back we were a year ago. Absolute <laughs> trash. Sons and sons. <laughs> the Nets are in a play-in game, okay? And... You know, I feel like everybody wants to trash the Lakers, so if you're going to trash the Lakers, you need to also trash the Nets. It's it's kind of uh, a different story here. So the Nets are now the seventh seed going up against Boston, the number two in the East. And when I look at the Nets, you have to take into account the fact that these guys are fresh, okay? So... You you lick you listen to a lot of people and they're saying, Oh my gosh, look how many minutes Kyrie and KD have been playing in the play in game or you know, and in the games that they play, they're 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 playing forty minutes, forty five minutes. But these guys are fresh because they've had a lot of games that they've taken off. And so when you look at the total minutes, KD and Kyrie are, are basically fresh going into the playoffs. And, um, you know, we kind of go back and forth. I know there's a lot of Celtics fans out there, a lot of Nets fans. Um, I, I have the Nets winning this series. They do not have home court advantage. But what they do have are two of the top five best players in the NBA. And that's a problem. Those two players, Kyrie and KD, can explode at the drop of a hat. And I'm not going to tell you that they are going to win the East or win the NBA championship. But I can tell you that they will win this series. And the other thing that people like to point out, oh, my gosh, they played so many minutes. They're tired. They're tired. Well, they also don't play defense in the regular season, right? So that's one of the other arguments that we have against the Nets. KD, Kyrie, too many minutes. Oh, those guys can't play, play defense. Well, guess what? They had a crappy defense in the regular season last year, but guess what they did in the playoffs? Out of 16 teams, they were the number four defense in points per game. So they have the ability to turn it on when it matters. What doesn't matter is the regular season. What does matter is the playoffs. I do believe that you will see the Nets turn on that defense right now in the playoffs. Bruce Brown is actually a really good defender. And he's also averaging 15. K-Stater. Bruce Brown's averaging 15 points per game over the last month. So probably the best defensive player on the team. Now all of a sudden he's putting up 15 points a game on offense. And we don't really need Ben Simmons, okay? So you kind of have to disregard the narrative that is out there right now in the media. Ben Simmons doesn't matter in this series, okay? He might matter if you make try to make a championship run, but he doesn't matter right okay. now. Because when you look at the other side, Robert Williams is out 
for the Celtics. So as Bruce Brown said in his uh, little post-game rant there, they are getting ready to attack the Celtics in the paint. And we all know that. But the other thing is the Nets have a secret weapon by the name of Seth Curry, who was acquired through that James Harden trade. He had a bad game in that playing game. He actually didn't show up. So when you throw Seth Curry, who traditionally shows up in the playoffs, into that mix uh, in that series against the Celtics, now all of a sudden you've got a lot of firepower. And so I just want you guys out there who are listening to this who think that, oh, my gosh, the Celtics are the higher seed. Oh, my gosh, they're going to beat the Nets. You might want to pump the brakes on that because when you're looking at the defense on the other side, yeah, there's no Robert Williams. And I will give you Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is an amazing defender, okay? Thank you, coming. Uh, Jason Tatum, not so much. He's not going to do so much on the defensive end because you know why? He's going to have to put up 25 to 30 a game just to keep up with guys like KD and Kevin Durant. So Jason Tatum is going to be working overtime on that offensive end. Not going to give you that much on defense. I think the Celtics, from a defensive perspective, are, are going to be hurting, and that's why I have the Nets winning this series. Hmm. You got old man Al Horford not doing nothing for that team? He is kind of old. He's only 35. I will say this. Jason's been the voice of reason for the Nets the entire year, and I, I feel like you've been incorrect throughout the Nets' tenure <laughs> this entire season. And I, I understand that because they they originally came into the year of the preseason favored to become a championship contender, but like they're all high hopes and no show. And I see the same thing unfolding once again against the Celtics. But are they in the playoffs, though? Barely. Are they dangerous? Uh, Would no. you be scared if you played against them? Not really. The Celtics? So is this a walkthrough? So you're telling is this me going to be a walkthrough? I, I, want, I want you to understand. I understand the injury you're, you're referring to. But I also want you to understand the Celtics actually had the best defense on a points allowed per game basis of all teams in the entire NBA. In the regular season, though. Right, but that's what we have to go off of is what has but happened. You can't go off this of playoffs season. Last year. It, right. You got to go off of this year. We got to go what's off of what's up? happened. What's leading this up to season? this year? A two headed monster in Jalen Brown yeah. and Tatum right now. Like right. those guys are alone could drop thirty anytime the hell they want. Are we not tired of having the Nets let us down? The Nets Honestly. are gonna let you down. Again. I promise you, I will tell you, don't be deceived by defensive ratings during the regular season because you do know that the Bucks won the championship last year. You know what their rating was this year? They were kind of middle of the pack, 13, 14. Right? They, they weren't that good in the regular season on defense. The playoffs is a different season. So the NBA, a lot of you guys get tired of watching the NBA or you don't even watch it during the regular season. This season lasts like eight months, dude. And what happens is you have teams that don't really care during the regular season, and then in the playoffs, all okay. of a sudden they turn the switch. That's fine, but the Nets are not a team to fool around and like, we're just going to walk through every game in the regular season, and then, oh, playoffs, we're going to show up. No, they never show up. This Here, is this is full, all this say. team is full of names you get, and no, right. no bite in the dog. Two disappointments on the team for the Nets right now. 
Kyrie, who can't win without LeBron, and KD, who can't win without Steph Curry. It's not going to happen. They can't win together. They're not going to win together. It's okay. not going to happen. Uh, just, we'll hold that Kyrie and LeBron for another if, day. I, if the Nets, if the Nets beat the right Celtics in this series, those guys have the Nets to do it by should go all the way. Because this is it. This shouldn't be a thing we look at and go, oh, they got away with the Celtics. Because in the week after this, Jason, you're going to talk to us and say, oh, well, the Nets are now have getting they, they peaked at the right time, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's, it's done. I will not tell you that because <laughs> if it were the Nets versus the Bucks right now, I will take the Bucks, And you guys know that because I have the, the Bucks repeating this year. So I am not taking the Nets to go all the way. I'm just telling you, like – you, you can't take – don't put too much stock in that uh, defensive rating in the regular no, season. No, I'm not going to say this get is it, But we need to understand the Celtics are also the best team yeah. record-wise in their conference. I'm not going to say it's going to be a sweep or anything. I'm just saying, like, this is probably going to be a series, but I could see a two-headed monster of Brown and Tatum come into play towards the end of younger guys than KD and Irving and be able to actually come out – Ahead of the series, I the I just turn. think this is a fun discussion, and I I want to know what you guys think out there who are listening to the sports buffoons right now because this is kind of like a fifty a fifty. This is a fifty fifty argument. I've listened to so many analysts on this. Oh, and it's, it's like half place. of them are Celtics and half of them are Nets, and it just like really honestly, guys, nobody knows which way this series is going to go. So let us know your thoughts on that on that All series place, and what you yeah. think is going to happen. Leave it in the comments, guys. I just want to say I care about results. I don't care about all the hype. I don't care about all the names. I care about winning, which is half the reason probably why I like the Suns so much. Yeah, and we might have a different tune, you know, for when it comes time time to Sunday. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, any other NBA talk before we get to the Royals' uh, first thoughts from the first five games? Nah, I don't really have anything. Okay. For NBA, right well now. then, I mean that was pretty much it. Okay, well with that said, then uh, let's start it off like this: Royals are who we thought they were. Uh, what's what we told you they were going to be all year and all preseason, I should say. Uh, we're locked into this. Zach Greinke, uh, when his first start looked terrific, I was really happy to see that unfold. Bobby Witt Jr. got the game-winning hit in that game. In a fabulous play at a fabulous, third base. Right, but it's in game two, the Royals went up 2-0, made a great defensive play there in that yeah. game, and now have lost three in a row at the moment. The game Oof. tonight was postponed uh, due to weather in St. Louis, uh, but I will just say the pitching is rough. That where um, we had him. It's so we're, we're working with a couple guys that I think we both like at this point. Grinky looks good. Uh, Brad Keller looks pretty good. But we're now talking about, like, we got these... Bubik, Bubik, Chris Chris Bubik's ERA right now is 67.5. Correct, and it's going to be high. Make sure we don't forget that at the moment. I I think it's going to be pretty high for a while. This is your Keller from last year, Mm -hmm. um, essentially. And I think with Daniel Lynch, he he does have some great stuff on him. And it's it's just going to take a little time to get control. I just don't think he's ready. No, he's not. I don't think Daniel Lynch is ready. He wasn't ready last year. Bubik was rushed. Daniel Lynch was rushed. But that's, that's the and thing. We're working with a couple of young guys there. But yeah. Lynch pitched last year in his first game ever as a Royal and just got destroyed. Yeah. He wasn't ready then. He's still not ready now. And that's okay. You know what's but great, also, though? Also, like, why, what are we doing? Why is this happening? You know what's great, though? It's when, tomorrow's a week. Tomorrow's a week of the season opening. Right? And we're getting all this out of the way now. Let's get out of the way now. Let's get it figured out. 
the, the, the Let's pitching, make an adjustment. You mean so who are you going to bring in that's going to fix the situation? You're not. Because you're not the, get, the getting it out of the way now, Tanner. Is Jackson's not going to happen. This is who they are. No, no, no. Get out of the way now. No, That's who they out. are, though. <laughs> no, There's no, nothing no. you could do. Look, it's you all call, the... Call Johnny Cueto? We already talked yeah, about call this. call him up, dude. He'll we, come in. We already talked about this. This is all going to be a development season for the pitchers. This right. is not a, an expectation of, oh, you go from 67 run average to a two. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Brady Sr.'s out there. Guess what? He's probably going to give up. He's probably going to be a five to six ERA by the end of the year. He's going to end up be back in the starting rotation again. That's yes, going to happen. Absolutely. Yes. absolutely. So I want you to understand that because they're going to get sick, you know of, sick and tired of seeing some of these other and guys. Honestly, get he rocked. should be. Senior <laughs> should be in the starting rotation, which I don't want to get into that right now. So I would replace Lynch right now with Brady Singer. I would replace a lot of those guys, Bubik and Lynch. It's, it's like, going to take a little bit of time. Okay, so like. Look, Everybody, everybody yeah. wants to jump off the bad bandwagon after two damn or five damn games. Well, it's not even that. I'm excited to watch Bobby Witt all year long. I bought a damn jersey two days ago. <laughs> like I'm excited to watch it's, the offense all year long. Salvador Perez, uh, obviously, it's still has a power. Obviously, correct. right? Yeah, the offense like, is great. It's going to be fine offensively, but like the pitching is going to be so frustrating because you, you're going to be down seven to two in the fifth inning, and you're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" We're gonna that's do what now? we talked about the the day before <laughs> opening day. Pitching's going to suck. Pitching's going to be frustrated. you got to be patient with these guys and let them go. It's not our year. It's, like I said, I, I right. picked the under, right? It's not our year. I think we all picked the under this time. I think we did. You don't, but you don't know that pitching. it's not going to be our year it's not because year. it's an expanded it's playoffs. It's an expanded playoffs. You don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I personally it. think that Carlos Hernandez could turn it around. That's I mean, possible. Yes. He could yes. turn around, and if he's your he number, be the three, number three, you know, it's like Bubich is very streaky, right? So right. he's a lot of he's going to have some bad games streaky. and some good games. I think it's it's way too early to judge them. I do agree with you, Mike, on the fact that Brady Singer will end up back in the starting rotation, uh, but you know, I don't know if it's going to be Bubich or Daniel Lynch who falls out of that rotation. But we got to give these guys some rope, okay? Because I, I believe in the offense on the Royals this year, but I also believe in Zach Grinke and Brad Keller so far. And so, you know, Brad Keller, he's probably going to fall back a little bit. He's going to have some rough spots, but so is everybody else. But, Tanner, the question that I wanted to ask you, because I, I keep hearing this a lot, is is the pitching coach, Cal Eldred, is he – is it time for him to get fired, or are we jumping the gun on that a little bit? There should have been changes after last year. There really should have. You shouldn't because have these The reason why, Tanner, I want to continue on with what you're saying currently, yeah. is that where's the improvement yet? I don't see a ton There's of no bit major growth from the young pitching staff we currently have. Like I want to see Daniel Lynch make a big stride from what we saw last year to now going into this year, where he just gave up three bombs. Yeah. In this last no, no, no. game, and like I, I want to see growth, exponential growth for from these guys going in from year one to year two to year two to year three. So like, outside, we don't of, see that right outside now. of the seventeen runs that Guardian scored on us on Sunday, this is kind of the expected result I saw when the young guys started getting in. I knew it was going to be bad, and it was bad. But this should have been, there should have been a new vision, a new kind of style brought into this facility. This off we're, we're looking for signs of improvement from the young pitching Correct. guys we have and currently you're not on the roster, and it's not happening. The Royals are like, like the what? Chiefs. Singer has no business being a relief pitcher. The Royals are like the Chiefs. No, he really doesn't. No, the Royals are like the Chiefs, and they like to stick with who they got. 
They like to stick with. Okay, but Clark Hunt's not running the Royals, and that's part of the problem because Clark Hunt will admit mistakes. Clark Hunt will see he effed up, and he will go back and fix it. He'll take care of it. But what's going on right now with the the Royals' current owner? Make some decisions. He's working on the downtown stadium right now. He don't care about what's going on. He's focused on other things. He's he's a he doesn't care what's going on. Right, right, right. It's Dayton Moore right now, guys. Dayton Moore. So Dayton Moore, we love him, right? I mean, he's done some good things for this team. The whole reason Zach Granke's in as Kit Rolls uniform is because of Dayton Moore. But he's not the general manager right now. Dayton Moore is the reason majority of these players are there that come in. But you can't you can't do with your coaching staff. You're hitting. You're hitting. It's great. You can get offense all you want, but if, if you're allowing 17 runs by the top of the third, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. We, last year, should he should have been gone, but instead they retained everybody. How did they? So gonna, how do they get to a point where you know when they brought in James Shields back in I think 2012 was when he was 2012 correct. 2013 might have been 2013 when he was first brought in for James Shields one of the two years there. Yeah, but. He brought in, as we all used to talk about, a different mentality towards the organization and towards the pitching staff, and kind of that rough, rugged kind of like just. Yeah, Shields was a two hundred inning kind of guy per year, guy you could rely on to put you through and you know pitch seven innings every game, um, and brought a different mentality uh, as well as a couple other guys that were along the way too during during that time period. Correct. Um, Grinky is probably not that same Grinke type of leader. Grinky is not that guy. <laughs> Grinky is very This is the guy different. that goes out there, he meditates before he pitches, okay? Yes. But Grinky's not that kind of leader like what James Shields was this back is for not the Warriors. A, but he's going to do his damn job, and that's leadership right. in itself. I agree with that, but I don't think the it's guys around in the clubhouse, a veteran presence to be where you need that, that attitude. It's like an like, attitude era of the 90s. At this stage of Grinky's right? career, I think he's cool with where he's at. He's going to do his he's job. He's going to be fine. He's not concerned about what happens look, five years from now for this organization. Look, where I think Shields was brought in this, and changed a lot of this things. Whole I think Grinky is still young enough to where he does give a shit about the next two to three years. No, he so. does. And he is in his, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to say, his, his press conference that he did. He talked about, like, hey, I could see myself being here for the next two, three years. It's not a one year deal for him. No, yeah, but he is, wants but is to Grinke retire. the kind of personality. No, no, no. Yeah, he wants to he retire. He does want to retire with the Royals. But is Grinke he the kind plays of personality. On still three to four more If you're years. a Chris Bubich, if, 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 if you're a Brad Keller, if you are a Brady Singer, do you feel comfortable talking to him yes. and asking for things? By far. I, or is Grinky one of those guys who's no, just no, quiet? No, and no, no. Grinke's, I don't think it matters because as long as he does his job, he is leading by example as your number one in that rotation. Sure. A lot of times, you just need to lead by example. But some guys and need, do your fucking job. I, some I guys need a more veteran yes. presence of like advice, like, "Hey, man, you know, yes, I was press called this pitch or whatever it is with the new pitch com or whatever, and I thought this pitch would work better. Like, how do I, how do I well, go to a veteran that's been here, won a World Series?" And it's still it's hanging around at 30. That's fine. If you need more advice doing your damn job, then fire the damn pitching coach and That's hire what a new I'm saying. one. It should have been done already. But now you get to rely on a guy like Granky, who's not actually that kind of veteran. He really isn't to be able to do that like a James Shields was back in the day. Honestly, at this point, for a Royals fan, Royals team, it's going to be a lot of patience with the pitching staff until they get stuff figured out. You're going to see a lot of guys go up and down. You're going to see a lot of guys go to the bullpen to the starting. Uh, for young guys, part not Keller, not Granky, but you're gonna see Senior bounce around. Hell, 
I could see them signing Danny Duffy come midseason just to get him <laughs> back because that's what the Royals do. So it's brace for yourself. Brace yourself for this patient staff because it's not going to get any easier, guys, as a Casey fan. Well, I'm just ready for the bats to blow up because Nicky Lopez is batting 357. Ben Intendi is 412. Oh, dude. Bobby ready. Witt Jr., who knows when the hell he's going to blow up at Witt Merrifield. So I'm just I'm bracing for the days when these bats fucking explode. Offense is not an issue. Defense, we're looking at some issues. Guys, All right. I, I got a question for you before we end the what? show. Um, get a guy, goes out, you know, pit, six outs away. Six outs away from a perfect game. But he's an injury history. He had injury history the whole last year, go, uh, leading up to the playoffs as well and everything. As a manager, do you pull him? No, I, I let him stay in until I had Six a reason. Six outs a perfect game. He hit his pitch limit, technically, for his injury des- designation. I, here's the thing. A lot of times coaches or managers will do this in the early part of the season because the a, pitcher's, part of the season, a pitcher's okay. arm's not right. fully stretched out as the terminology goes, right? Yeah. But if you're pitching that well, I put in a relief pitcher who's on, maybe mentally having an off day. I'm now sacrificing losing that game because my starter's on fire. My relief guy, I don't know what I'm going to get quite yet out of him. I stick with the guy who has a perfect game. Every I'm, ga- I'm going to let him play. I'm going to let him play, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because even if you have an injury history, you are still going to build his confidence. And confidence is always more valuable than your injury history. So if you're going to let him stay in and build his confidence – that will always be more important and more valuable than his injury. Hey, when he allows a double, we can think about it. Yeah, he was o- the team that he was facing was over eighteen against sliders alone, okay. right? I-, I keep him in. You do this five years. Early. I don't care how early in the season it is. Yeah, like if if you want to build a guy's confidence early in the season, that can affect the entire season and all the way into the playoffs. Chris, you do this five years earlier to. Same team, same manager, and he pulled the guy with I think it was five outs left from a perfect game. It's early in the right. season. That, that's, so, that's someone who's not adaptable to real life situations. That's someone who has a number in their head, a manager who has a plan. Analytics. They're addicted to analytics. Maybe too that's addicted to is. analytics of like at this point we have to make this decision rather than like being adaptable, as we talk about in gambling sometimes, to adjusting to the situation or to the the way the board is dealing okay. with So this guy I'm talking about, of course, today, Clayton Kershaw got pulled with six outs left. Kershaw, the guy that comes out in the World Series and pitches, I think he pitched like a record amount of innings. He's one of, been one of the best pitchers in the league for 10 years. Yeah, but he's also had injury history this last year. Oh, sorry, this last year. And Dave Roberts pulled him out five years earlier, four years earlier, whatever. Dave Roberts does the same to Rich Hill. Early in the season, pulls him out in the eighth inning. So before you call out Dave Roberts, I've heard a lot of things about MLB right now where it's not actually the managers that are making those decisions. It's not. Those are made by analytics. And so the manager can change that situation if they want to sometimes, but a lot of times the manager has no say whatsoever. Those decisions are already made before before they even happen. Well, but that's what, what I mean. Is it, is it a bad a part manager. of doing strategy that way? Oh, it's awful. It's we terrible. We, going back to gambling yes. once more again. 
I can sit here and tell you a strategy. I'm going to play the uh, Martingale on you, right, real quick. But here's the thing. You're going to run into situations where that's going to completely destroy your game. Whereas if you can adapt to the situation at hand and use your logical mind in real-life situations, now those analytics can go out the damn window. And that's that's a perfect comparison that you just made because the Martingale... They're they're gonna win you. That's gonna win you a lot of games. Sure, but you're also gonna get destroyed yeah. at some point. I, 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 I think there's something wrong with the hierarchy, discretion. essentially, with baseball right now. Can, can we Not have, can we have a combination of the hierarchy. two things? It's fine to come in with a, with a plan in place and a system in place, but it's not okay to then just stick with that regardless of the situation at hand, because there will be times where real life things come into play that should be taken into account. The, the problem is, is that they think analytics are perfect. But they're not. Analytics they're are not. God. I love it. They're God. And that's right what now, these people as, think. As a, as, a, as a draft guy, as a football guy, I love analytics. I love them. Yeah. But that doesn't mean your you're every prospect, your you're Vernon Golstons of the world, are going to come out with their perfect height, weight, speed, and this and that, and become great prospects. No. You can still have all those things and suck. Analytics make, are cool, but they're not the end-all, be You still have to be willing to adapt. Absolutely. That's what these a lot of people are unwilling to do in MLB. They they don't want to adapt. No. They they want to let analytics rule. They the have world. these algorithms that they think are god, and they think that they're perfect, right. and they're not. They're not. absolutely uh, not. not. Make the matters worse. He was only like eighty pitches. So, anyways, guys, <laughs> the food's here. We have a lot of excitement stuff coming into play this weekend. Uh, Jason and I are going to try to meet up here and do a playoff show. Uh, we'll release on Saturday morning. Uh, in time for the NBA playoffs, just as the Friday night stuff finishes up for the playing tournament. Uh, also, Sunday night and Monday night, we have a two-part mock draft show uh, with some other podcasters as well. We'll have different teams on there, uh, so make sure you pay attention check out. That'll be 7 p.m. Central both nights, live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Uh, so keep an eye out for that here. Uh, Mike will be joining me on Monday night as well. Uh, for that draft he'll be doing a chiefs one i'll be doing a chiefs one on sunday so uh keep an eye out for that and of course it's easter weekend so uh hopefully you're free because it's gonna be a blast it's gonna be a fun time here as we ramp up some content leading up to the draft and as we stated before we are live in mr brews draft night nfl uh what is that? April 28th? April 28th. April 28th, guys. We'll be Mr. Brews. We'll be having a big old party over there, basically, with all the NFL draft nerds from around town. Uh, so it'll be fun to have different yeah. people. Come on, out. So. Come, hey, if, you, if you're out and about local here, come out. Have you know have some beers. Have some food. Uh, and come out, and we'll ch- you know maybe get you on the show and chat a little bit. So uh, make sure you attend there. Yeah. And the Settling the Kingdom show, by the way, might be on pause for a short period of time. Very short period of time. Uh, I just have some, obviously, Easter holiday going on Correct. families in town this and that we so some, we'll, some we'll stuff see, going you know, on there might be a little, little surprise here you know they could potentially come about um when i get some a get pop a and free show. moment there's, there's potential <laughs> i'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen i'm saying there's potential for it to happen so. anyways guys follow like subscribe do whatever you gotta do make sure you guys check us out here uh other than that guys buffoons we out i'll see y'all on the next one go spurs go See you guys.